Dallas, Fort Worth.
Now join the following program, already in progress. Give me some insight, Lord, and some direction, and maybe God doesn't even want you to go there. Maybe, okay, you can be aware of it, but not everybody is going to be called to address a particular major issue in the church. Maybe your role is going to be different at this time in your life. Right. I think that's such a wise thing. That's such a valuable insight there, because the, the fact is the most powerful, world-changing, life-changing thing that any of us can do is, is going to be accomplished inside of prayer. We need to be open to God's will. And, you know, to be open to God's will, you have to have a relationship with God. You have to be present for Him to speak to you. And so when we're so busy doing all of the quote-unquote good things and worthy things, sometimes we're distracted from our very calling and our vocation by all of those things. We need to be rooted in a real relationship with the Lord. It's the most world-changing, life-changing thing that we can do. Absolutely. It starts right there. We have to go back to the basics over and over again. Okay, so I wanted to talk about your first chapter of the book, because this is something where people might say, huh, really? I'm going to find God in the people that drive me crazy? (laughs) 
Right. This is this is like where I really felt like I needed to. It needed to be the starting place for this book because this is one of the most surprising and yet no duh things about our encounter with God. Is you know Jesus tells us himself in scriptures. He could not be more clear that as often as you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. That he is present in the people that he places in our lives for us to serve. And sometimes I'll read that gospel passage and feel like, oh, well, he's talking about, you know, serving the the poorest of the poor and those in third world countries. And, of course, yes, he's referring to that. But everybody, every person, every human being is made in the image and likeness of God, and we are to encounter him there. So that means, yes, even that annoying, rude person that you run into in traffic or your coworker who's being unfair or somebody who in your life has hurt you deeply or betrayed you, all of these things are challenges. They're calls from God. Can you see me here? Can you love me here? And this is something we all do struggle with. And, um, you know, none of us is an exception. As we were talking about in the break, not even St. Therese was an exception to this kind of a very human struggle. Right. And so you're drawing from your own experiences. Is there a particular story or two you can share with us, uh, you know, to which people related in reading the book? Yeah, well, okay, well, with regard to finding God in other people, the one story that I shared was of a, a time when I was at a social gathering, and um, a particular woman there who I hadn't met before kind of attached herself to me in a, in a very awkward way, just, you know, occupied all of my time and attention at this, this social gathering where I had been very much looking forward to connecting with a friend of mine. And this woman was odd. She stood out. You know, she was different. She was dressed funny. She had strange mannerisms. She had a different way of talking. She was, you know, um, just uh, obviously um, a person who, I, and, and what she shared was, uh, uh, you know, interesting information about her life. And so obviously somebody who was struggling with mental health issues, who had different kinds of um, trials in her life, different challenges. And I was taken aback in that moment, first of all, by my own annoyance at being interrupted by this person when I, you know, I had my own plans for that social gathering and what I was going to do there, and that she interrupted it. And yet afterwards, in reflecting on it, I thought to myself, why would, why would I be annoyed by that interruption? Why did I not see her as worthy of my time and attention the same way um, I would have, you know, preferred to spend time with my good friend there? Why do I continue, even though I say that I understand that every human being is intrinsically worthy and made in the image and likeness of God, why do I still struggle to see God in other people? Why do I still have this tendency to categorize people into groups of worthy of my time and attention and unworthy of my time and attention, even in small ways throughout my day? So that that was a real challenge to me. And I've been hearing from readers sharing their own experiences, similar kinds of experiences, where God has challenged them with the everyday people he places in their lives. Sometimes they're married to them. Sometimes it's their own kids. (laughs) Sometimes it's their mother-in-law. Just where God is calling you to grow in love through the people that he's placed in your life for you to love and serve. That's a pretty humble uh, story. I mean, I don't know if, anybody, if too many people would be able to reveal it. That's it's a really, I think, right. humility on your part. As Dr. Ray would say, you're the most humble person I know. <laughs> Actually, he is. He claims he's the most humble person. He's but the hum- He's the most oh humble. Right. Right. We'll let him keep that title. He can, yeah. he can brag about his humility. His yeah, humility so this, award. It is, it is 
hard to share. And, you know, some of these stories that I share in the book do leave me feeling a little bit vulnerable. But you know, as a fellow writer, that that's part of the process. Right. That's, that's part of how we can relate to people is by sharing some of our own vulnerabilities, some of our own very real trials and struggles, especially in our relationship with God, in, in the hopes that they're going to encourage other people to examine those parts of their life as well. There really is a need for honesty and open discussion about these things. And don't you find that our Lord, he's got a great sense of humor because he allows some, some things in your life to help you laugh at yourself. And if you can't laugh at yourself... And, and realize, you know, that, that we all stumble. Everybody has something. There was a great uh, deacon friend of ours here in the Archdiocese of Detroit, Deacon Bob Ovies. And I remember when De- Deacon Dom and I were going to give, this is long before Dom was a deacon. This is shortly after we came back to the church. We were going to give our marriage testimony, our reversion. And I was so afraid as a public person to do that. And he said, "Hun, everybody's got something. Everybody's got something. <laughs> and I remember that. It's true. It's so true. It is so true. And you know what? The more we can share openly about these things in appropriate ways, of course, right. um, the, the more we can, we can build each other up. We can remind each other of who we are in the eyes of God and what our greater calling is. And I, I really think it, it, does, it does involve a, lever, a level of vulnerability that not everybody's comfortable with. But I'm hopeful that in the pages of this book that people will see me opening up a little bit in that way and then respond in the same way, whether it's in discussions with your own family, your own friends, friends, with your spouse or um, with your spiritual um, advisor, just having those kinds of open conversations about where we really do struggle to connect with God in our everyday lives. Absolutely. I think it's a vitally important thing. Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday, latest book from our friend Danielle Bean. So in terms of this book, can this be used as a personal study, a, a group study? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are people that are doing it as a group study, and there is a companion journal, which if you send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com, I can get you a copy of that companion journal for your own use or for use with a group of girlfriends. We've got women's groups that are taking it up this fall. I'm really excited to hear how that goes for them. Um, And, you know, the companion journal is just kind of guiding questions to walk you through the themes of the chapters. Yeah, yeah. And so to what do you think uh, mostly the women are responding? Is there a particular, you know, you mentioned the first chapter, but but what else are they are they really kind of saying, wow, this is me right now? Uh, I, yeah, I think they're really responding to that call to be still, because that's a mm. countercultural notion, as you know, that stillness that we can all give lip service to, actually doing it can sometimes be a painful process. It can be something that we struggle to do, but it resounds in every every person's heart is that that call because we know we're made for it. We're made for our relationship with God. Danielle, thanks for this book, Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. So what's next on the Danielle Bean hit parade in terms of your next book? I have not gone there yet. Okay, me neither. I'm I'm still trying to figure that out. Everybody asks me, when's your next Bible? I don't know. Whatever God wants me to do. No. God will whisper it to me when he Yes, he'll whisper it, and a little feather will drop down. You know what? That probably will happen because he'll make it happen. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Always great to talk with you, my dear sister, Danielle Bean beautiful book, Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. Get a copy of it. We'll have a link to it on the Catholic Connection archives. We'll be right back. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. 
Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria mutual funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria mutual funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Okay, I've been a Catholic for five years, but I suffered under a lot of things due to my Protestantism as a Pentecostal, and I just want to personally ask God to bless you for your ministry, for everything you do, and the help that you give people. EWTN, helping people grow in their love and understanding of God. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. You're listening to the best of Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamia. Keeping you in the know, all things Catholic and beyond. 17 minutes past the hour, Catholic Connection, a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. Great resources on our websites, EWTN.com, of course, and AveMariaRadio.net. Friend of ours, Louis Brown, does great pro-life work, very knowledgeable. He's uh, worked in many areas, including Washington, and, of course, he's originally from Michigan. We're blessed to, to know him and his wonderful family. They do so much great pro-life work, and he now is the executive director and has been of Christ Medicus Foundation. And, Louis, this is a story uh, that we were talking about during the break, and you were saying it's underreported, what a shocker, um, by the secular press, but also has not received a great deal of attention with with a lot of, I think, conservative media because the Dobbs case has been so prominent. And we're talking about some new regulations that could be coming from the Health and Human Services Department. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. And, and what are your concerns as we go into this uh, Christmas weekend, Lewis? Yeah, good morning, uh, Teresa. And I uh, love being on your show. And, uh, such a big fan. Thank you for having me. Um, uh, my concern is that uh, federal filing that the Justice Department did in a court case uh, several months ago has come to light through the great work of the Catholic Benefits Association. Uh, this, this federal filing has come to light over the last several weeks. And in this federal filing, what the Justice Department and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services uh, indicated is that they're moving forward with a regulation uh, that in its effect would make Catholic health care and pro-life health care in the United States illegal. Uh, it's wow. extraordinarily serious. Um, and I can go into the specifics of that, um, but what they communicated to a federal court and the direction in which they, plan, they intend to go, uh, in which they would compel medical professionals and healthcare entities to perform abortions and other objectionable procedures, uh, this regulation would make it uh, impossible for medical professionals uh, and Catholic healthcare institutions to uh, comply with the ethical and religious directives of Catholic healthcare. Uh, it would make it impossible if it stood, if this regulation stood, for Catholic hospitals, your local Catholic clinic, for Catholic medical professionals to continue the practice of life-affirming care in the United States. It's exactly what it would do. It's an extraordinary threat. 
to pro-life health care. It's a threat to Catholic health care. It's a threat to the unborn uh, and the vulnerable. Uh, and it's important that we as Catholics and the pro-life community have a united front to oppose uh, this action. So where is this in terms of the process of, of becoming law? Where does it stand? Um, the indications that we have is that HHS continues to uh, indicate, uh, you know, really intends to issue a draft rule, what's called a notice of proposed rulemaking, a draft rule publicly in April, uh, and then to get a final rule out several months later. I think that that rule is uh, this potential HHS regulatory action that would uh, be devastating for Catholic health care. I think it's likely a violation of federal law. I think it's likely a violation of the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. However, a lot of damage is done on the way to figuring out these legal disputes, uh, and our hope is that uh, we can prevail on this administration and on Congress uh, to go in a different direction. We're talking with Lewis Brown, Executive Director of Christ Medicus Foundation, about some reported new regulations coming from the Health and Human Services Department. So in terms of stopping it, and you bring up a good point, that we, if we have to go to the courts, what can happen in the meantime? Um, what can we do? This sounds pretty overwhelming right now, Lewis. Yeah, I, I, I think a couple things are important. I think the first thing is that it's, you know, this Dobbs case is vital, and we have to pray and fast, and I love what Bishop Boyer did in praying and fasting for each of the justices uh, out of love for them and hope that they'll choose life. Um, it's so that's so important, and I think paying attention to the Dobbs case uh, is very important. I think um, something that the Michigan Right to Life has done an amazing job of, and other Right to Life, of being prepared for a world in which Roe v. Wade is not uh, the law of the land anymore, and in, in which it's gone. We have to do that. We have to continue to do that because it's a different. It's a mind check. It's a mind. It's a paradigm shift. Um, so those are all very important. But I would say number three is that we as a Catholic community, we as a uh, as you know the pro-life generation so-called, we have to understand that so many of the decisions about whether we protect the unborn and their pregnant mothers and their families are decided in health care. We need to be focused. And it's time for uh, local Catholic communities, local pro-life communities to rally with their local bishops, with their pro-life advocates, uh, and demand uh, proper protection of medical conscience and religious freedom rights locally at the state level. Uh, and it's also time to communicate with Congress about our concerns. And it's also, lastly, time to uh, continue to build out Catholic pro-life clinics, not just pregnancy centers, but Catholic pro-life medical centers that can uh, have a relationship between uh, a physician and the mother, a relationship between the physician and the child, uh, not just for the first baby, but also for the second baby and the third baby and for the whole family throughout that life. That established, essentially, when you have a woman and her uh, family and her child uh, in a relationship of care and love with a Catholic medical, pro-life medical center, it brings them what I call into the womb of the Blessed Mother. Uh, it develops a relationship. It's really evangelization uh, and ensures that as well that that woman doesn't, have the first child, but then go out and abort the second. And so we, we, those are the things that we need to do is demand conscious protections, uh, at the, at the local and the state level. Uh, we need to be in communication with Congress about our concerns, uh, along with the bishop and the Catholic pro-life community and also push for more Catholic care, not less, more pro-life care, not less. Do you think this could happen, uh, these regulations? Could, could they happen soon? I mean, how soon are we talking, do you think? I think that, a final regulation could happen uh, this calendar year if they're quick. 
uh, and when I say this, I mean 2022. So in 2022, and I do believe it's likely to be struck down by a federal court, but, um, you know, when, when healthcare, uh, when hospitals, healthcare systems get wind of the direction that HHS is going in, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, um, they start moving in that direction as well. And so you might start seeing policies and procedures at hospitals across the country that impact tens of millions of people going in the direction of not respecting conscience and religious freedom rights, taking interpretations that I think are false um, uh, of, of existing federal law and moving in that direction. And who does that impact in the negative? It impacts Catholic physicians. It impacts Catholic medical students. It impacts patients. It impacts vulnerable women uh, who may be told that uh, or pressured into having an abortion. And so um, I think uh, draft regulation out in April, final regulation uh, out probably next year, uh, and yes, likely to be struck down, uh, but first of all, we should come together in a united front with a public outcry to try to do what we can to make sure that doesn't happen, number one. And number two, um, uh, we need to be organized locally uh, because this is very serious for a lot of people. So is the organizing on the local and national levels, is that starting, Lewis, do you think? Yes, yes. And, I, you know, we, we are leading a movement with our partners, with our allies at Christ Medicus, and I encourage folks to get on our website, um, uh, get on our listserv. Um, we're taking a lot of particular actions, a lot of things I'm excited to talk about with you uh, in January, some of which yes. will become public in January. Um, but, um, you know, encourage folks to join the Christ Medicus community and, uh, and know about We'll keep people posted, but also encourage folks to get in touch with the local bishop uh, and the local policymakers to talk to them about this issue and the need to protect Catholic and pro-life care. Amen. Well said, Lewis. Appreciate your great work. Executive Director of Christ Medicus Foundation, wishing you and your family a beautiful Christmas. God bless you and all your great work. ChristMedicus.org, keeping us updated, and we'll have more as we move into the new year and especially the March for Life. We'll be right back. Let's see, Uncle John, Aunt Gina, George. I have no idea what to get everyone for the holidays. Hey, why don't you get them a chance to win a 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250 with the Guadalupe Radio Network car raffle. But the car raffle doesn't start until January. Not this year. You can go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle right now to buy your tickets. One for $25 or five for $100. That's a perfect gift for everyone on my list. And thanks in advance for getting me a ticket. Dave, you can't win the car. You work for GRN. Hmm, I'll take a fruitcake then. Kate. ATH 910 AM welcomes Emerson on Harvest Hill as a new sponsor. It's a senior living community in North Dallas near St. Rita Parish. Amenities include chef-prepared meals each day, transportation, social and educational events and activities, 24-hour security, and the participation in the sacraments. To learn more about Emerson on Harvest Hill or to arrange a tour and visit, you can contact Karen Ray via email at kray at emersonharvesthill.com or you can visit their website, emersononharvesthill.com. Are you a young man interested in learning more about the priesthood? The Diocese of Fort Worth invites all men in high school and college discerning a vocation to the priesthood to the St. Andrew's Breakfast on Saturday, January 15th at 8 a.m. The event takes place at St. Patrick's Cathedral in downtown Fort Worth. Please reserve your spot by contacting the vocations office at 817-945-9321 or by email at vocations at fwdioc.org. 
Para Car Care is a proud sponsor of KATH 910AM. Here at Para Car Care, we are devoted to automotive maintenance and repairs for today's family on the go. Are you looking for that personal touch? Someone who will listen to your problem and give you options that are manageable for you? We now have two locations to serve you. For the Euless area, 817-685-2222. And for the North Richland Hills area, 817-281-1388. We're on the web at paracarcare.com. Thank you and drive safely. You're listening to the best of Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamia. Welcome back. Catholic Connection is a Friday, and normally on Fridays I try to do a segment, and we've done this since uh, the election, actually, a few years ago. Um, We actually talk about... Fact Check Friday, and we look at the media, and we examine different stories, and we do this so, as Archbishop Shepi always says, we need to know how the media works so they don't work on us, and and so I try to clarify, especially in terms of cultural issues uh, that go against what we believe as Christians, and more specifically, Catholic Christians. So I was uh, saying at the top of the hour, the other day I was putting together the news for you on a Tuesday, and I was telling my producer, Andrew, that I noticed this story about our guest, uh, Bishop Dorfler from the Diocese of Marquette uh, in Michigan in uh, the Upper Peninsula. And they're attacking uh, his document, his beautiful document that came out in July uh, about the dignity of the human person, which is a very loving document which outlines what the church teaches and reiterates the church teaching in the areas of human sexuality. And I'm noticing all these comments from people who are, quote-unquote, in the church but totally disagree with the church teaching on these issues. And I'm saying to myself, okay, someone triggered the media to do this story. Why are they doing this now versus when the document came out six months ago? And so I do a little bit more digging. I speak to the communications director in the Diocese of Marquette, John, who got back to me right away. And then we find out that the source is um, Father James Martin, who apparently is tweeting about this. So, Your Excellency, first of all, thank you for for joining us. And when did you first hear about this all of a sudden becoming a news story, the document that you put out back at the end of July? Uh, I believe it was actually on the uh, Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception is uh, when um, I was made aware of this. So So just your thoughts in terms of what did you think when you saw some of the things that were coming out? Knowing that uh, the Church's beautiful teaching on the human person and human sexuality is is countercultural, uh, I anticipated actually some uh, pushback in the media when um, when I first issued the document, and I was actually quite surprised that uh, there was none at that time. Uh, you know, so I. I did expect that something like this would come sooner or later. And and I think this is really, for us, a wonderful opportunity to dive deeper in the deep uh, and beautiful and rich teaching that the Church gives us about our life and about our happiness. And, and, and I look at this as a, a good teaching moment. Oh, it definitely is. Uh, the situation, though, that's frustrating to me as, as someone with an extensive journalism background is the lack of that, the lack of insight, the lack of, of, of really picking up the phone and talking to you as we are today and say, okay, uh, let's learn more about this. And, and this should have been done if they were concerned about it uh, back in July, as you said. You know, okay, let's, let's ask some questions about this. Let's dive in more deeply. But all of the folks that were commenting 
in the articles that I saw when the story went viral were those who are strongly against church teaching. And the media, and I know how they operate, they tend to take their, their marching orders or their directions uh, from people that go along with their agenda, including what uh, Father James Martin o- o- often talks about. So I know that you put out a statement uh, in response, a very good statement, clear statement, again, reiterating your, what you said in the document. But how else do you think we can use this right now as a teaching opportunity, as you mentioned? Well, I'd like to set this in the context of the art of pastoral accompaniment. And if you don't mind, I'd like to take a, a few minutes to dive into that. Sure. Because it's a word that's bandied about uh, many times today, and it's, it's often not clear what we're really talking about. So I'd like to just quote a, a couple paragraphs from my document. Um, I actually dedicate about five pages uh, to this, but uh, let's take a look at a couple paragraphs here. Mm-hmm. I say, the path of accompaniment leads first to a deeper encounter with Jesus and a proclamation of the kerygma, the core message of the gospel. In light of the experience of God's love and with the strength of his grace, people are then able to address sinful behavior. To address the behavior apart from fostering a personal encounter with Jesus and his love is likely to harm the other person. The grace of God makes conversion possible. Thus, we must begin the journey of pastoral accompaniment by striving to foster a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Only then can we shepherd people step by step to embrace and live the fullness of truth. To accompany others, it is insufficient merely to state the Church's teaching. Right. In addition, we must strive to meet people and lead them step by step as we all walk toward the fullness of truth. Accompaniment requires docility to the Holy Spirit and discernment of the steps along the path. Discernment requires the virtue of pastoral prudence and must be carried out in fidelity to the teachings of the Church. Accompaniment does not dilute the teachings of the Church, but rather animated by charity we are to proclaim the Gospel in its fullness. So I, I think in those two paragraphs, we, we sort of have accompaniment in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And a good example of this, as I also refer to in the document, is uh, Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. The well, right. Mm-hmm. And you know, as we notice this, this beautiful passage in the Gospel of John, um, we see in the woman um, a whole journey towards conversion and discipleship. And Jesus begins his dialogue with her not by pointing out her sinful behavior. That's not the first thing that he says to her. He really begins with this offer of living water and eternal life. And it's only when the woman begins to desire this living water that he points out her sinful situation. You know, the Lord says, you are right in saying I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. And then the woman's journey to faith continues, and he reveals himself to her as the Messiah. And she goes forth and and tells the people in the town, and other people come to the Lord, and and people believe in him. But but you see, in, in this journey, Jesus starts out in this dialogue with her, She encounters his presence, she encounters his love, 
And it's in that context that she's able to receive the healing mercy of God and his love and face the conditions of her life and move towards conversion. And, and so this is really uh, the attitude that we are to have in, in uh, working with and walking with people is to follow this model of Jesus Christ. It doesn't, it doesn't involve diluting the teachings of the Church in any way whatsoever, but it, it begins with a proclamation of Jesus Christ, His forgiveness, His love, and His mercy, and then in light of that encounter with Jesus can people be brought to a full conversion. And, and so the question about uh, having the, the proper dispositions to receive the sacraments and so forth all need to be seen uh, in this light in how we approach people and, and move them to the proper dispositions uh, and turning away from sin so that they are able to receive the sacraments. But Your Excellency, you, you exp- expressed it beautifully and lovingly, not just now, but also reading from your document. Can you stay with us a few more minutes, because I have a number of questions, and there's a couple of other points that I, want, I want to bring out with you that's so important about what you just said. Can you hang for a few minutes with us? I'd be happy to. Great. Okay. We'll have more with Bishop Dorfler from the Diocese of Marquette, Michigan, uh, part of our Fact Check Friday segment. We'll be right back on a Friday morning edition of Catholic Connection. Mark your calendars. All are invited to join Fort Worth Bishop Michael Olson for the 36th annual Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Mass on Saturday, January 22nd at St. Vincent de Paul Catholic Church in Arlington. The Mass takes place at 5.30 p.m. The celebrant will be Bishop Olson and the homilist will be Most Reverend Curtis J. Guillory, Bishop Emeritus of the Diocese of Beaumont. For more information, visit fwdioc.org. Hello, it's Todd Sluter, licensed professional counselor with Epiphany Counseling and sponsor of GRN. I've been blessed to work with many individuals, couples, teens, and families in our diocese, incorporating counseling principles with authentic Catholic values. God wants you to have a greater sense of joy and purpose. If you or someone you know are struggling to find purpose, stuck moving forward with goals in life, or a relationship is not working, you may need to seek a counselor to help regain hope and healing. You may get in touch with me at 469-556-8336. On a cold winter's night, the angels sang to proclaim to the shepherds that Jesus Christ, our Lord, was born. Hello, this is Bishop Edward Burns of the Catholic Diocese of Dallas. Let us rejoice that we can gather together this year to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus. Let us reflect on the radiance of Christ's birth and the light it brings to our world. Blessings to you and to your loved ones. Merry Christmas. Hi, this is Bob Dwayne with My Mutual Mortgage, a sponsor of KATH 910 AM. My wife, Norma, and I have been longtime supporters of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are praying for our country and all that are affected by the coronavirus. The drastic fluctuations in the market have caused mortgage rates to drop to record lows. If you'd like an analysis of your mortgage situation, we can be reached by calling 817-527-3166. That's 817-527-3166. My Mutual Mortgage is an equal housing lender, NMLS 12901. You're listening to the best of Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamia. So appreciate the time that His Excellency is taking with us to really dive into this beautiful church teaching on who we are made in the image and likeness of God. We're talking about 
Uh, his beautiful document on this, on not only uh, dealing, uh, helping people who have same-sex attraction and dysphoria, how do we walk with them and explain to them who they are, made in the image and likeness of God, but all of a sudden the media picking up on this document when it came out at the end of July, and I was trying to think, was there something I missed? Because I don't recall, and I, I searched and searched and couldn't find anything negative out there that came out when the actual document was issued. And then all of a sudden this week, a tweet from James Martin goes out, and the media, you know, send this story all over the place, and a very, very biased reporting, uh, with ta- only talking with, at least from what I saw, people that agree with James Martin on these issues. And, Your Excellency, what was so frustrating uh, for me, and by the way, you can find the statement in response to this on the homepage of the Diocese of Marquette, uh, just going to the media section. What's so frustrating to me is that the way your beautiful teaching, as you just outlined it, was not explained, not only in the news stories, but the tweets that went out. It made it sound as if the church and you as a representative of the church were condemning all people who are struggling with same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria. And that's not what you said in the document, and that is not church teaching. The church says that someone who has same-sex attraction is not sinning, only the sin is when they act on it. And, and, and the same applies to those of us who are heterosexual and are not paying attention to the church teaching and are going against the sexuality in terms of what the church says about this gift that is given to us. So that was my frustration uh, with the media, why now? And, and then I found out, of course, that um, Father Martin was tweeting about it. But to me, I so appreciate you taking the time with us because the church teaching is so beautiful and so loving on this. Your thoughts? The church teaching is indeed very beautiful, and it's the way to happiness. And ultimately, don't we really want to be happy? And if you think of all of the things we do, the reason we do them is we want to be happy. And of course, uh, our happiness is found in union with God. And and uh, the church's beautiful teaching on sexuality helps us to live out this gift in a way that images the you know the love of God, the three divine persons in our own life, and enter into a deeper union with Him, and that's at the heart of it. And and, and how important it is for us to to um, uh, in, in embark on this wonderful journey into divine intimacy. Um, yeah, I think the purpose and the meaning of human sexuality can really be unveiled by asking a few questions. I do this in the document. And, if it, and let's just take a moment and, and tap into the real deep desires of our hearts. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, you know, how do we want to be loved? Do we want to be loved temporarily or permanently? Well, right. don't we want to be loved permanently with a love mm-hmm. that never goes away? You know, how do we want to be loved? Do we want to be loved faithfully or unfaithfully? Well, we want a love that's ever faithful and true. Do we want to be loved partially or totally, conditionally or unconditionally? Do we want to be loved fruitfully and in a life-giving way? Of course, this is big, these are things we desire. We want a love that's total and unconditional and life-giving. And... and, and these deep desires in our hearts, which God has put in our hearts, correspond to the, the meaning of this gift of sexuality that he has given us. And, and we see that, you know, the, the acts proper to marriage, as we call them, are then 
lived out in imaging this love of God for us, which is what? It's, it's permanent, and it's faithful, mm-hmm. and it's fruitful, and it's total, and it's unconditional. When a man and woman give themselves to each other for their whole life and are called to love each other in a way that mirrors the love of God, and we see this even in the marriage promises, I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. And the acts proper to marriage are, are meant to express this. And, and then, of course, because uh, God's love is fruitful, if you think of the, the self-giving of the Father to the Son, well, the, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, so by analogy, by the self-gift of a, a husband and wife to each other in the context of marriage, uh, another person can proceed, so to speak. And we're, we're talking an analogy here, but, but you see how, how this image is really the, the, the Trinity and how we're created in God's image and likeness. Mm-hmm. And the way to happiness the, the way to live our sexuality on the road to happiness is to, to mirror uh, this image of God that is inscribed within our very hearts. Yeah. Often, though, and by the way, if you're just joining us on Catholic Connection on a Friday morning, uh, having a very important conversation with His Excellency Bishop John Dorther from the Diocese of Marquette, we're talking about his document, Creating the Image and Likeness of God, originally coming out in July. What's so frustrating to me, Your Excellency, in, in the reports that I'm seeing is they're so focused on on claiming that the church is oppressive and negative and that you uh, and others who, who are following church teaching, as we all should be doing, are adding to that oppression. And yet the, the, the document is so loving. You start out in the very first paragraph. There is an ever greater need today for the pastoral care of persons with same-sex attraction and persons with gender dysphoria. Let us open our hearts to the love of God that we may overflow with love and kindness and respect for others. The instruction is not meant to be a complete explanation of the subject, rather providing some orienting considerations for pastoral care. And you go on to talk, as you mentioned earlier, starting out with the art of pastoral accompaniment. What's so sad to me, and and this again going back to the media and and their just total irresponsibility in, in this overall issue, is they are completely ignoring the pain that people go through who are entering into these lives that go against who we are made in the image and likeness of God. 60 Minutes finally, I think it was back in September, actually did a story on people who went through, quote-unquote, the, the, uh, the horrible uh, hormone changes and, and eventually had operations to alter their, their, their physical bodies. And then they, they went back to their original DNA, right? Of course, the DNA didn't change, but you know what I'm saying. They went back to being a woman when they were born female. Um, and they were talking about the trauma and how they were pushed into this, and they didn't even have a chance to talk to anyone. They immediately, in many cases, were given the, the, the hormones and the struggles that they went through that it didn't solve their problems, and they were not happy. 60 Minutes got such pushback from that, and the story wasn't even that great. They, they did a, interview a few of these young people. But there's a denial of the reality of what's happening when we go against who we are made in the image and likeness of God. Your thoughts? I, I would agree with you, Teresa, on you know on that matter. And um, with respect to the matter of gender dysphoria, I say in the document, um, and let me just quote this little section here: "Persons with gender dysphoria are also in need of our care and pastoral accompaniment because of the fundamental body-soul unity of the human person. The sex of the person and the sex of the body are the same." Every one of us is created as either male or female. 
Thus, to live according to the truth of our human nature, we are to embrace our bodily sex. It is a gift given to us. Those who experience incongruence between their bodily sex and what they perceive their sex to be deserve our love, compassion, and our care. A good analogy is how we would help persons who are suffering from anorexia nervosa. Mm -hmm. In this disorder, there is an incongruence between how the persons perceive themselves and their bodily reality. They may perceive themselves as overweight when they are really quite thin. Just as we would refer a person with anorexia to an expert to help him or her, let us also refer persons with gender dysphoria to a qualified counselor to help them while we show them the depth of our love and our friendship. And yeah. so this is, I think, to be our, our fundamental pastoral attitude in reaching out to people who, who, who must be suffering you know, very deeply is you know, love, compassion, friendship, and, and, and something that will truly help them. But in so many cases, Your Excellency, in certain parts of the country, in certain states, uh, um, psychologists, counselors who, who want to do this are barred from doing so because of laws and basically claiming that they're discriminatory. So, so how do we continue to do this in terms of giving people the best information and guidance uh, to understand who they are made in the image and likeness of God? It's an increasingly difficult challenge given this the culture in which we're in. Well, the Church is to be a beacon of light and truth and happiness and joy. And let that light shine brightly in our culture. This is what we are, we are to do as Catholics. Let that light shine. Let's not put it under a bushel basket. Mm. Let's not hide it under a bed. Let's let that light shine. You know, the truth in itself, when people come to know it and embrace it, is attractive because it speaks to you know, the, the fundamental truth that's inscribed within our hearts and God's love and God's wisdom. And, and oftentimes it, 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 it's obscured, and, and we just need to let that light shine. You know, that, that, that's, our, uh, that's our calling. This is what the Lord asks us to do. Let's not put our light under a bushel basket. Let it, let's put it on a stand. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. And over time, I think history will show the real compassion of the Church to, to reach out to people who are suffering in a real way. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and this is where we need to be beacons of life. So in some ways, Your Excellency, this could be a, a Romans, you know, despite my, my frustration and me getting my Italian up, which I do quite often, but anyway, with the media, <laughs> this could be a Romans 8.28 situation, all things working together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose in terms of maybe people didn't hear about your document. Maybe there's someone struggling out there with a family member with same-sex attraction or with gender dysphoria, not aware of this beautiful teaching document and what the church says, or the very strong but loving statements that Pope Francis has made about uh, gender ideology and gender dysphoria. He's spoken about that, and probably that's one of the topics or issues he's been most strong about in addition to abortion in recent years. How else can we, when you say let your light shine, what can we do to help you get this document out there and to teach the truth in love? Well, I would encourage everyone to read it. You know, it's available. There's a concept. On, I wonder how many media actually read it. Just saying. You know, it's it, it's you know, it's about ten pages of text, so it's not all that long. And then there are you know a few pages of appendices, but it's about ten pages of text. It won't take that long to read it. Uh, sit down, read it. 
feel free to share it with other people. And, and above all, in our dealings with everyone, we need to be animated by the love of the Holy Spirit. You know, we need to, to approach everyone with love and compassion. And as Pope Benedict pointed out, you know, so well that, you know, truth and charity go together. Mm-hmm. There's wonderful encyclical, you know, caritas and veritate. Uh, we can't separate the two. Truth and charity must go together. Otherwise, it's like cold butter. The truth doesn't spread. Right, right. You know, so we we just need to to always be beacons of truth and and beacons of love, and that in itself is attractive. I have uh, utmost confidence in the Word of God and what our Lord has revealed to us, and it, it has been the mission of the church just simply to preach and teach from its from the beginning, and that's what we are to do. Well, God love you for doing it and doing it so calmly and lovingly, and we really appreciate it. And we're glad that, in in many ways, this uh, story uh, that is developing, and we're not sure exactly why uh, Father Martin decided to do this now, but this story is giving uh, some very good coverage to this very beautiful document. You can see the link to it on the diocesan website of the Diocese of Marquette. There's also a follow-up statement from His Excellency Bishop John Dorfler, uh, and a link on that statement to the document. It's the document is it was actually issued again, as I said back in July, late July, but go to the Diocese of Marquette, dioceseofmarquette.org. I'll also post a link to it on my Facebook page, and feel free as well when we archive this interview to share this with as many people as possible. People need the truth about who they are. Made in the image and likeness of God is about loving people. It is not about rejecting people. It's just the opposite, and we're grateful for the peaceful and loving teaching of Bishop Dorfler from the Diocese of Marquette. Thank you, Your Excellency. Appreciate it. You're most welcome. I wish you and all the listeners uh, a most blessed uh, advent. All right. Stay warm up there in Marquette. I know it's a little cold up there this time of year. Thanks so much for all you do. And we'll be right back on a Friday morning edition of Catholic Connection. Stay tuned. Location, location, relocation. Studies show more than a third of college students transfer and half of those do it more than once. It reminds us of St. Augustine's quote, Our souls are restless until they rest in thee. At Ave Maria University, we challenge this group to visit us, stroll down our palm tree paths, spike a shot on our sand volleyball court, or partake in an outdoor devotion. There's a reason when students visit Ave Maria, they tend to stay. Ave Maria University, your relocation destination. Visit AveMaria.edu. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child and wondering what Santa would bring? In many developing countries like Haiti, most children don't make Christmas lists and they don't expect Christmas gifts. Often, every penny their parents earn must go to their basic needs like food, shelter, and water. Now picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift. You can spark that magical moment by sending them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. You wish you could have discussions about difficult topics with your adult children? If so, don't worry, you're not alone. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. And our new book, Having Meaningful, Sometimes Difficult Conversations with Your Adult Sons and Daughters, can help you draw closer to your adult children and help guide them on the path to more faithful and meaningful lives. You can get our latest book and all of our other books on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. That's AveMariaRadio.net. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. 
More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Catholic Connection. And just remember, if you're a new listener or not, if you've been on board with us for a while, you may not know that we are co-produced, actually, by Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. And you can find us both online, all kinds of great resources, at EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. Now, I give you those websites quite often because I want to remind you, if you heard something on the show today, yesterday, last week, you can go to those websites and you can go to the archive sections or you can look them up and we have records of them for you. And if you heard, let's say, maybe about a book or a document, you can certainly go to EW10 in the religious catalog to order an item or you can look up any type of encyclical or papal document or information about any of our shows there as well. So these are great resources in addition to great Catholic radio every day. We'll see you next time on Catholic Connection. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Mark your calendars. All are invited to join Fort Worth Bishop Michael Olson for the 36th Annual Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Mass on Saturday, January 22nd at St. Vincent de Paul Catholic Church in Arlington. The Mass takes place at 5.30 p.m. The celebrant will be Bishop Olson and the homilist will be Most Reverend Curtis J. Guillory, Bishop Emeritus of the Diocese of Beaumont. For more information, visit fwdioc.org. Hi, this is Norma Duane with My Mutual Mortgage, a sponsor of KATH 910 AM. My husband, Bob, and I have been longtime supporters of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are praying for our country and all that are affected by the coronavirus. The drastic fluctuations in the market have caused mortgage rates to drop to record lows. If you'd like an analysis of your current mortgage rate, payment, or term, we can be reached at 817-527-3166. That's 817-527-3166. My Mutual Mortgage is an equal housing lender, NMLS 12901. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart, blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. 
Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.